This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Welcome into In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL for a Monday. We had just one show last week. One. But guess what? No more baseball. No more Royals. No more crazy stuff getting in the way of In the Zone on your airwaves for this week. Five days, five shows. And we got a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about from what was this last weekend in sports, especially for K-State and KU. Plus, today, I don't know if you know, folks, but the Chiefs play on Monday Night Football, and it's the Raiders. So we'll talk a lot about that as well. But James, we'll bring you in here because... I don't feel like you knew what to do with yourself all last week. We had nothing to do. No, I, I, I hope I can remember how to talk. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've rolled my sleeves up, which means <laughs> I'm very invested in this show. Ready to get to work and a lot to talk about with KU and K-State having exciting games over the weekend. And I feel like we were robbed of some really good conversations last week because of everything that happened the week before. I mean, my goodness, ESPN College Game Day was in Lawrence, Kansas for the first time ever, and we didn't even get to talk about it. So uh, I'm excited to be back in the saddle for a full week and talk about all these local football teams because uh, we're getting into the thick, getting into the weeds, if you will, uh, of football season. Fortunately enough, we did have a lot of our weekly interviews Wyatt Thompson, Brian Haney, and our area high school football coaches that we talk to so often. But all that was just on the podcast. Like, I was doing that because if I didn't at least do that, I legitimately would have had nothing to do <laughs> for like three days. Really? That's good to know. Outside of like like my game prep, yeah. which takes, you know, a decent amount of time. But all like, right. if if we just did no show responsibilities for a full week... So what you wouldn't have is, hardly seen me in the office. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Have, you're going to have a really nice summer. Um, I totally <laughs> abandoned you on the podcast segments, by it's the way. Okay. I just said, you know, if we're not going to be on the radio, you got this. Okay? But we're and back on the radio, so I'm fully invested in this week's show. And fortunately, I did get some help on Friday's show. The one, hel- the one show we had last week, you were off heading to Arkansas again. But I got a good interview with John Betts from Kansas Pregame because he was in town for the Kansas Wrestling Coaches Association. They were having their like preseason meetings over at the Fieldhouse, uh, like two blocks away. So I was just like, hey, why don't you come over? We'll talk for a little bit, see where it takes us. We ended up talking for darn near 30 minutes of the show on, on Friday, and it was it was awesome, and he is so insightful, and it helped us set up what was a really big week for us, high school football-wise, and it's only getting bigger, and we'll talk about that throughout the rest of the week, because we have um, three, technically, James, games of the week this week in high school football which is a first for us. We've had two before because El Celine will be playing their second game on a Thursday this season, and that just works out really well because of how they've been playing this season. Uh, but it opens up a Friday night for us, James, for El- the uh, Ellsworth Bearcats. I don't know if you knew this. They won again on Friday. They're 6-0. and Last week they went 5-0 and for the first time since 1984. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Finally, we get to have them on our radio station. So, been organizing that today. But it's enough about that. 
Let's talk about some college football. And I know you're itching to talk about the Wildcats because they have once again moved up in the AP poll this week. They were up to, I believe, 17 when it released yesterday morning. Um, and the reason for that is they went on the road to Ames, Iowa, not an easy place to win or play in general, and they won a Big Ten-style football game. 10-9, knockdown, drag-out, defensive slugfest, and K-State wins it by one point. And I texted my dad after the game, because you know, James, he's a huge Wildcat fan, and I said, what's the best part about winning ugly? winning yeah winning in general doesn't matter what the score is at the end of the day as long as you come out on top and I gotta tell you it felt gross watching that game but in like reviewing it it's a really impressive win because there's a lot of things that I don't feel like people realized in the game just because of how the scoreboard read at the end of it but K-State had 388 yards of total offense. They averaged 6.7 yards per play, and they only had three penalties. Like, they did the little things right. They moved the ball well, and in a game where their rushing game really was not as good as it had been because Iowa State made it that way. They focused on that. Adrian Martinez got the job done throwing the football. 13-20, 257 yards. He threw the long touchdown pass. He should have thrown two long touchdown passes, but we can talk about that uh, unfortunate fumble from Malik Knowles as well. But in looking back at it, this is a good win. Like The offense wasn't a problem. The defense shut down Iowa State and won a tough game. It's the first time K-State's beaten Iowa State in three years. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And just to kind of put it into perspective, because I agree, it is a big win for Kansas State because of several factors. Number one, let's remind our listeners that the last time K-State went to Ames, they lost 45 to nothing two seasons ago. That was only Iowa State's fourth home loss in their last 30 home games. So they're 26-4 and in their last 30 home games and one of those losses to the hands of K-State on Saturday. Then I think the fact that you add that Iowa State had their backs up against a wall. That was an Iowa State team that really that loss for K-State, I don't want to say breaks Iowa State, but it puts them in a really tough position. You know, they're coming off losses now to KU and K-State. They needed that game. And Baylor. And lost three straight now. So you you, you factor that into the mix. Uh, Also the fact that it was a night game in front of 60,000 strong. It was a sellout. It was a rowdy crowd. And really good football teams go into environments like that and win ugly games. Also the fact that Deuce Vaughn was limited late in the game with an injury. And you still get out of there with a win. And with all that said, you're right about Malik Knowles' fumble. That's a a one-in-a-million type play. And I don't even think it was his fault. You know, he, He wasn't holding the football out there like a loaf of bread. The guy just made a sensational defensive play right before he crossed the plane. If if Malik Knowles scores, you know, K-State wins that game 17-9, to and at that point in the game, really, K-State probably could have had a chance to pull away. So uh, I love your nugget about Adrian Martinez. I agree. Not only is he looking more confident, looking more comfortable, getting better operating the offense, not afraid to use his legs, but also he made some sensational plays. That throw to Phillip Brooks when he just side-dodged a, a mm-hmm. would-be sacker was a next-level play. Um, 
And so now I, I look at, you know, where K-State's at, the fact that they're going into a bye week, I think is tremendous for them. This was also the first time that K-State has had two 100-yard receivers in the same game since 2017. Wow. Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles, I think, are underrated. And I think coming into the season, there was a little bit of talk about those guys from opposing coaches and Wyatt Thompson. And, hey, the K-State receivers, and then you factor in Cade Warner, are better than people think. And I think that was on display Saturday night in Ames. So I know that Iowa State's not as talented as they have been the last couple of years. But, uh, again, just the fact that it was in front of that crowd, primetime, night game, a lot of wacky stuff happens. And so to get out of there with a win, which, by the way, K-State was favored by a point. So, I mean, you win by one, the line, favored by one. The, the line, line at kickoff it. was one and a half. <laughs> well, So there's some I, people I'm sure that I were was gonna say, yeah, a little bit upset. Not to rub salt in that wound. But but now the, <laughs> now the question becomes, who's the best team in the Big 12? And I heard, I can't remember who it was, one of the guys on college game day say that Kansas State was the best team in the Big 12. I'm not ready to go there yet. But... K-State's the only 3-0 undefeated team in the league. Oklahoma State is 2-0. I think Oklahoma State is going to lose their next three games, TCU, Texas, and Kansas State. I don't think Baylor or Oklahoma are the best team in the Big 12. So is it K-State? Is it Texas? Is it TCU? Is it Kansas? You know, we'll find out. There's still a ton of football left, but K-State's in a really good spot. That was a big win. Well, we, we can talk about the offense, but obviously the K-State defense deserves tons of credit when you hold a team to nine points, especially in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, but they held Iowa State to 276 yards of total offense, just 78 rushing yards. And more importantly, in the fourth quarter, James, K-State had to um, set up or had found ways um, to set up Iowa State with short field. There was the, the field goal and an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that set K-State up to have to kick off at their own 20. And Iowa State got a really good kick return, started at the 50, and got a stop. And then K-State got backed up in their own end zone, punted, and again, Iowa State started around the 50 and punted. In those two drives where K-State was up by one point, Iowa State, again, started right near midfield. It wasn't the same yard line, but you get the point. Seven total yards in those two drives. When Iowa State literally just needed like 10, maybe 15 yards out of either of those drives to get in field goal range and to take the lead, the defense allowed seven total over two different drives to win that game. Yeah, sensational. And I can't wait to listen to uh, my Action Network podcast because they always talk deep analytics when it comes to college football and they're going to be just going nuts about the K-State defense because I think analytically they're a top-five defense in college football. Not only did they hold Iowa State to four-and-a-half yards of play, you mentioned the total yardage there, they held Iowa State to three yards of carry, and you take away a 24-yard broken play scramble from Deckers, and it's, it's less than three yards per carry. Deckers completed 22 of 38 passes, uh, less than 200 yards passing, which means per completion – you know, he's he's averaging less than nine yards uh, per completion. Xavier Hutchinson was targeted 17 times. He's an NFL receiver, <laughs> by the way. He's Holy going to be a, a, a yeah. probably a mm, anywhere from a second to fourth round draft pick. He was targeted 17 times, only had eight catches. Josh Hayes, the K-State uh, safety slash corner hybrid guy back there, gets Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. He had a huge game. 
And K-State, they're just they're stacked right now defensively. They get enough pressure up front with those three big pass rushers that the secondary can just fly all over the field. And this secondary is fast. They're athletic. They're long-armed. And TCU is going to be a tough matchup in two weeks. They've got Quentin Johnston, who's a first-round NFL talent at receiver. He might be the first receiver off the board this year. He's that good. 6'4", 220 pounds, runs like a deer, and torched KU. But K-State has Julius Brents, who's the tallest corner in FBS. He's 6'4 himself. They can put Brents on him and I think neutralize him. And so I look forward to previewing that game. But I think TCU is a much better matchup for K-State than they were for KU. Well, we'll talk about TCU and KU here in just a little bit, but I do want to touch on this because uh, the Big 12 announced their weekly awards earlier today, and Josh Hayes uh, earned the Defensive Player of the Week nod for K-State. Uh, he had a career-high 11 tackles against Iowa State on Saturday, uh, was the leading tackler in the K-State win. Um, let's see, K-State surrendered just 276 total yards. I'm trying to read all the full release to find his full um, accolades mark. Here's the impressive, there's what I was looking for, this little snippet. Hayes's accolade marks the third straight week a Wildcat has been honored by the conference in the sixth time this season. So Khalid Duke has gotten Defensive Player of the Week. Adrian Martinez has been Newcomer of the Week and Offensive Player of the Week. Kobe Savage was Newcomer of the Week against OU. Phillip Brooks was Special Teams Player of the Week. K-State they're starting to catch some eyes. That's that's all I'm saying. And you mentioned the ESPN folks starting to say they think K-State might be the best team in the Big 12. I am also not quite ready to say that. But I, I got to tell you, if you would have asked me how I feel about K-State after the Tulane game versus now, you would get two vastly different answers. Yeah. That's for darn sure. But if you take that, that one bad game out of this equation – K-State's probably a top 12 team in the nation right now. And they're already, I mean, they're top 17 right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, TCU's 13th. I mean, Oklahoma State's 8th. I think K-State's in the top 10, probably where Ole Miss is. But bottom line is, K-State lost that game. I think the Big 12, with, with all this cannibalization, has essentially eliminated itself from the college football playoff. But that's okay, because I think the Big 12, while there's no clear dominant team, I think from top to bottom... The league is as strong as it's ever been. Um, you look at KU, you look at all the games coming up, and we can preview that later on. But just in terms of the depth of the league, that's the word I was looking for. This league has a lot of depth. There's a lot of really yep. good teams that, that deserve to be ranked. Well, we got to get to a break. When we come back, we'll take a, a look at the KU side of things. Jayhawks got their first loss of the season, uh, but they suffered a bigger loss than that. And again, we'll get into that on the other side here. You're listening to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL as well as 106.7 FM. Zone is powered by Spartan Roofing and Exteriors. They specialize in roofing, guttering, siding, windows, and doors for both commercial and residential work. Visit SpartanRoofingAndExteriors.com to schedule a free inspection or a project consultation today. That's SpartanRoofingAndExteriors.com. 
I'm Jackson Schneider alongside James Westling. Today we are taking a look at the college football outcomes from the weekend. Just took a look at the K-State Wildcats after their big win at Iowa State on Saturday. Now we turn to the Kansas Jayhawks. And for the first time this season, the Jayhawks have suffered a loss. They fell 38-31 to to TCU at home. And it stinks to lose. But there's a lot to feel good about, I think, if you're Kansas, because uh, once we start adding on little nuggets to what exactly happened on Saturday, I think Kansas fans will feel very optimistic. The first thing is this was the best team KU has played to this point, and they were one or two plays away from winning this game. They had a chance in their final drive to go and tie the game, and also... There was a point early in the football game where Jalen Daniels fumbled at the goal line. And if you take those two plays out, I think Kansas wins this game. And then you add on the fact that Jalen Daniels, unfortunately, got injured at the end of the first half and didn't play the entire second half. And you have your backup, so to speak, in Jason Bean, although he started half the games for Kansas last year. I mean... You played within a top 15 team in the nation within a touchdown with your backup quarterback. That's Kansas lost the game, and I'm sitting here, you know, singing their praises probably more than I have with their first five wins. And I know that as crazy as this is to, to think about, KU with where they're at, you know, a, a moral victory for Kansas is a letdown, but in my eyes, this was still a, a moral victory for KU. Sure, they didn't win the game on the scoreboard, but if you tell me going into that game that Jalen Daniels, and and this is all I need to hear, that Jalen Daniels is only going to throw 10 passes and play, what, a little over a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half, get hurt and be out for the rest of the game, I come in here and I tell you that TCU is going to win that game by three touchdowns. So the fact that KU had a chance at all really impressed me. And this game, this loss, to your point, almost made me more of a believer than any of their other wins because of the adjustments that the the staff made on the fly with Jason Beam at quarterback. And a credit to him, Jason Beam was the starter the first eight games of the season last year until the Texas game. He could have easily transferred out, gone anywhere else, you know, back home, could have gone back to being a starter at North Texas like he was before Kansas, he probably could have made a lateral move to another Power 5 and had a chance to start somewhere. He wasn't bad last year. Jalen Daniels was just a lot better. For him to come in off the bench, stone cold, only throw eight incompletions, 262 yards, again, in about two and a half quarters, four touchdowns, uh, I was blown away by what he did. But now, sometimes, sometimes after a full week of practice as the starter, you know, you've got all that juice and adrenaline in that first game. And now you go on the road at Oklahoma. And I think that's going to be a much bigger test than TCU. Even though TCU beat Oklahoma by like 30 and are clearly the better team, the fact that it's going to be a road game, it's going to be early in the morning, um, Jalen Daniels just has that swagger on the road. He, he just he, he exudes confidence. And Jason Beam, well, I don't think he's lacking confidence. He just ha- doesn't have that it factor for me. So I want to see what he does on the road. Maybe he proves me wrong. But, man, a huge credit to him to stay at KU and and keep KU in that game. The big difference for me, Jackson, is I felt like KU 
was never going to be able to stop TCU. I felt like when TCU needed, even though there were a couple big stops by KU, I felt like when TCU needed points, they were moving the ball at will. TCU had some drops early in the game. But Quentin Johnston, who we talked about uh, in the last segment, 14 grabs, 206 yards, a touchdown. He was targeted 17 times. So of his 17 targets, he caught 14 passes, and he had one drop that hit him right in the hands. Uh, I think he's a, a first-round talent at the next level. So, you know, I, I just felt like they could go to him anytime they wanted. But TCU, they're ranked 13th in this week's poll, and I, I think they're legit. And so to lose to the 13th-ranked team in the country, and I think the pollsters, the, the voters, saw that too, that that's not a bad loss. It is a moral no, victory yeah. for KU because they didn't move them down at all in the poll. They're still 19th in the poll. KU didn't drop a spot. So, um, uh, like I said, moral victory for KU is what I have written down here in all caps on my piece of paper. That's that's what I believe it was. And a lot. Well, here's the thing. Um, a lot of people be like, well, we're not in the moral victory business. And I, I think right. Lance Leipold said that 100 times. But that said, like – at the beginning of this season, yeah. if you would have told me Kansas lost to TCU by seven points, be like, that's exactly what you want to see. Like, we were not coming into this season talking about Kansas being a top 20 team in the country and having a chance to make a really good bowl game and make a run at the Big 12 Conference. We we're talking about winning three or four games and being competitive. Not winning games, just being competitive, not getting beat by 30 points on any given week. And they've done that times a million so far. So the fact that they have finally lost a game, people are, you know, a little bit disheartened, I would imagine. But you should feel really really good. The one the one tough thing is you don't really know what will happen at the quarterback spot moving right. forward because there's not na- a lot of times a a backup can come in and, and kind of have a ton of success because that's not the quarterback the team's game plan for. So everything that they had planned gets thrown out the window and you can have a ton of success. Well, now another really good opponent, despite their struggles recently, Oklahoma and the defensive-minded coach that Brent Venables is, is coming off of probably the worst loss at Oklahoma since Dwight D. Eisenhower was in office. Like This this is a have-to-win game if you're Oklahoma. And they've got a, a, a game's worth of tape on Jason Bean, and it's looking like Jalen Daniels will not play. So you you don't know what you're going to see there, and it could be bad. It really could. But I'm trying to be like the the dose of like realism, not negativity, but like realism, to where it is very possible Kansas could look re- like throw its like worst performance of the year up on Saturday at Oklahoma and lose by a score or two, and we still have to like keep in mind that they would still be four or five games, depending on on your thoughts of Kansas coming into this season, ahead of schedule. So, like, despite the outcome of what comes on Saturday against Oklahoma, Kansas is still in glowing position in my brain. Yeah, no, my, mine too. And, and I think when you talk about the the team in college football going into this upcoming Saturday in the worst positional spot to win a football game, it's going to be Kansas because you're right. Oklahoma has all week to prep for Jason Beam. All that that first game adrenaline juice is is gone. Jalen Daniels, we know he's not playing this Saturday. Okay, If it's an AC joint sprain, if it's a collarbone, regardless of what it is, the dude was in a sling. All right, he, He's not playing this Saturday. KU has two more Saturdays to get through, and then they have a bye. 
Maybe he's back by Oklahoma State on November 5th, but he's not playing at Oklahoma. Factor in that Oklahoma's at home, their fans are angry, their coach is angry, their defense has been getting absolutely embarrassed. They're going to be better defensively than they, than, than they were against Texas. And then you add in, Dylan Gabriel was a game-time decision last week for Oklahoma. He almost played against Texas. There's a chance he'll play against KU. Dylan Gabriel completely changes that offense. The, the pit transfer that they have as his backup is terrible. He is bad. <laughs> and he wasn't a highly touted recruit. He came to Oklahoma to be the backup. He was the backup to Kenny Pickett last year at Pitt. And the dude just, he, he's, he's not good. So if Gabriel plays, that takes Oklahoma. I think that makes Oklahoma three touchdowns better, maybe four, just in terms of their overall offense. So KU's a seven-and-a-half-point underdog at Oklahoma. But if KU won this game, not only would it be a huge upset just from the spread standpoint, but it would make KU bowl eligible. Yep. I mean, there's a lot on the line for KU. They need just, in my eyes, it would be disappointing if KU doesn't make a bowl this year because they only need one more win. This is where the schedule gets tough. At Oklahoma, at Baylor, bye week, home to Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech, and then Texas and Kansas State. KU needs just one win in those last X amount of games, I think, to feel really good about their season. So I hope that, you know, if KU ends up 6-6, six and six, we're still praising them at the end of the year because now is where it gets really tough. But I'm not convinced that KU can't go down to Norman and win on something. I'm, I'm not either. I I'm, I'm going to be in the game. Here's the crazy part is I would not be shocked at this point if Kansas ended 5-7. and seven. I would also not be shocked if they finished 9-3. and three. Like, there's, there's so much parity in the Big 12 Conference, and it's just a matter of, like, matchups and who's healthy for Kansas. But my thought is on this, and I, my friends, as a Kansas grad that I am, were unhappy with me this morning when I threw out the fact that, hey, it there's a non-zero chance that Kansas doesn't win a game the rest of the season. And if that happens... It should be okay. Like, yeah, it'll suck. It will absolutely suck if Kansas goes 5-7 and seven and doesn't go to a bowl game with as well as they've played through the first month and a half of this season. But we have to, again, step back and think about where Kansas was at this point one year ago and the progress that has been made in that short amount of time. That is what you were looking for by the end of the season for Kansas. That type of performance. Not even the win total. Like, that has been long surpassed already. So, despite what happens in the win-loss column right now at Kansas the rest of the season, you just want to see continued growth. If they continue to get better, and they are tangibly better week in and week out at several different spots, that's all you can really ask for. I genuinely believe that. I'm sure... Sure, hopeful Kansas wins a couple more games because I would love nothing more than to pull the work card and go cover a Kansas Jayhawk bowl game. Uh, but it's going to be a tough road, especially for the next couple of weeks. But we'll talk plenty more about them uh, here in the coming days, especially when we get Brian Haney on. I'm very excited to hear his thoughts on how that game went because I feel like he's in the same mindset as you and I, James, where despite the loss, there's a ton to still feel really good about. Uh, but we got to get to another break. When we come back, we're going to preview the Kansas City Chiefs and the 
Las Vegas Raiders. Monday night football from Arrowhead Stadium, and it's a big one. The Raiders certainly need to win, and the Chiefs, with a win, could really start to put some distance between themselves and the rest of the AFC West. So we'll preview that when we return. You're listening to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. segment of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Jackson Schneider with James Wessling here on a Monday edition of the show. James, you don't seem to be feeling the same amount of joy that I'm feeling right now. And I need you to match the energy, okay? Because I just absolutely friggin' nailed nailed an English Premier League soccer bet. That's awesome. And that's the first time I've ever done that. Cool. So I need you to share in my joy. We're talking soccer now. Yep, my least favorite sport (laughs) in the world. Like, no disrespect to soccer. If you're a soccer player, if your kids play soccer, if you love soccer, I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but I hate soccer with a burning passion. I think it is the dumbest slowest moving sport on the face of the earth. I don't understand all the running for such little scoring. I'm not very athletically gifted with my feet, so I, I, <laughs> I am a terrible soccer player, which probably adds to my hatred for the sport, but I stick to American football. It even annoys me when I just hear the word football and they're talking about soccer. It's soccer, okay? Hey, all I'm saying is it was a slow Monday in the office, Getting ready for the Chiefs to play tonight and like prepping for the show and doing all like the the clerical stuff that I do on Mondays, like gathering all of the rosters and information that we have for high school football and all that stuff. And dang it, if I just didn't decide to dabble, okay? And I nailed that game and I feel very proud and it may never happen again. Look at this meme. So I need you to join in my happiness. It's a bracket from Barstool Sports. At the top, it says things no one wants to hear about. And then they have all these different seeds. Your fantasy team? Like the one seed. And my bets? Yeah, dreams. uh, Your fantasy football team is a two seed. Yeah, Yeah, your soccer bets just took the cake. Your soccer bets is the number one thing no one wants to hear about. That's fine. I want to hear about it. You know what else I want to hear about and what I'm sure other people actually want to hear about is the Kansas City Chiefs because they play the Las Vegas Raiders today. The Raiders are 1-3 and three and they're 0-2 on the road. The Chiefs are 3-1 and one and this is just their second home game. Crazy enough um, for Kansas City. But this is a surprisingly important game for the Chiefs uh, because of how they've started out. And despite that disappointing loss, and I don't know how they lost that game to the Indianapolis Colts, who just appear to be just god-awful, apparently. And despite them beating the Broncos, I guess, the other night. But the Chiefs are 3-1. and The Chargers barely, barely, barely beat the Browns yesterday, so they are 3-2. and But if the Chiefs can win this, they keep that one-game lead in the AFC West, and they would essentially bury the Las Vegas Raiders in the AFC West standings through just five weeks. So there's there's a lot riding on this ball game because if the Chiefs do win this, I would almost go as far to say as this division is almost wrapped up. Now there's obviously going to still be 12 games after this, but if you can put a vice grip on the division standings through the first month of the season, that's going to go a long way. 
Yeah, I agree. And there's there's a lot of factors actually in this game, Jackson, that have me nervous. You know, Jeff Garrettson asked me this morning, you know, how confident are you when it comes to the Chiefs? And I said, man, in the NFL, anybody can lose to anybody. You look at last year, and the Chiefs beat the Raiders 89 to 23 in the two combined meetings. But you have to throw those two meetings out the window because the Raiders are a very different team. Not only do they have a lot of different personnel, especially defensively, they have an entirely new coaching staff. And there are some things that give me concern when it comes to, let me just point out a couple of nuggets. Number one, the Chiefs have had the 27, number one concern that I have is Devontae Adams. Okay, point blank. The Chiefs have the 27th worst coverage rate against number one receivers. Uh, on the other side of the football. So the Chiefs have struggled against the oppose, uh, opposing team's number one receivers. And Devontae Adams, who I believe is the best receiver in the sport, he is second in the NFL in targets with 47. He's third in the NFL with, with, with touchdown catches, and he's fifth in the league in receptions. And it feels like he's having a down year. That's how scary good this guy can be. He's going to explode at some point, and I'm a little worried that it could be tonight, especially with the Chiefs still not having Trent McDuffie. It's going to be Justin Watson a lot matched up on him. Uh, they lost Javaris Ward to the 49ers in the offseason, could really use him right about now. And then the other thing that gives me a little bit of, of pause is on the other side, when the Chiefs have the ball, the Raiders' defensive coordinator, uh, last name is Graham, can't remember his first name. He was the New York Giants' defensive coordinator last year. And remember, the Chiefs played the Giants, and he ran a really weird scheme, and they held Kansas City to 368 yards. The Chiefs were averaging 419 coming in, and they held Kansas City to 20 points. Chiefs were averaging 27 per game. And if you remember, the Chiefs uh, won 20-17, got out of Dodge with a win uh, against a, a hapless Daniel Jones-led Giants team. Also, the Chiefs are... Now, this is against the spread. I know you're a spread guy, so let's look at the spread. It's a touchdown. Chiefs are favored by seven. Chiefs are seven and 18 against the spread when they're favored by more than three uh, since November 2020 when Patrick Mahomes took over as the starter. Now, the X factors that give the Chiefs, I think, the advantage to win the game outright is the fact that the Chiefs are at home on Monday night football. Andy Reid is seven and two all time at home on Monday night football. This is a big game in front of a rowdy crowd. I think Travis Kelsey will have a big day, but I think it's going to be close. I don't know. I, I don't get all this. All oh, the Chiefs are going to crush the Raiders. They're so much better because the Raiders are one and three. The Raiders, analytically, have been the worst, the the worst luckiest football team. They've had the most bad luck in the NFL. Uh, Kyler Murray runs around like a Madden video game player uh, late in the game to to beat the Raiders week two. All three of their losses have been super close, and they could have easily won all three of those games and could be 4-0. And then we'd be looking at this team very, very differently. That's a very, very fair point. Here's my my thought, um, and it's not very deep. <laughs> and this may be why I end up being wrong. Uh, but the Kansas City Chiefs since 2013 are 15-3 against the Raiders. That's it. 15-3. and three. And... I don't have the time to try and do the mental math of what the scores were. Oh yeah, but well, they out, like, like I said, it's they it's scored them eighty nine to twenty three last. Yeah, year. last yes, and but here let's look at this. This is probably the easier way to do it. The three Raiders wins since two thousand thirteen: four points, one point, eight points, and 
of those, the biggest one is that eight-point game. The Chiefs still had a chance to win that game. I think they had a, a late drive like with like a minute left or less than a minute left, and they just didn't score. It came up empty late in the game. But the Chiefs, when they when they play the Raiders and the, the Chiefs win, it does. it's not often that it's that close. It does happen, certainly. Like in 2020, the Chiefs won 35-31 to when they played in Vegas. And... There's a handful of others, but like since 2019, it's scores like 35 to three or 28 to 10, 40 to nine, and 41 to 14, 48 to nine. Those those were last two were last years that you referenced. But like, if the Chiefs are going to win this game, I genuinely don't believe it's going to be a close game. I think they will run away with it, and that is my genuine thought. That said, if it is a close game. That's where I lean towards the Raiders. Uh, And those are the two scenarios that I see. Either the Raiders shock me and shock most of the world by winning a close game in Arrowhead tonight, or Kansas City Chiefs will win it going away. Those are the two outcomes that I could see tonight. And I'm still just very confident that the, the Chiefs are the better team. And the Raiders, as good as I think they could be, I just don't think they've reached that point yet. Like they're I don't know what it is they're missing, but they're missing something. And the fact that they've only won one game is kind of a testament to that because they should have two or three wins. Right. And they just don't. They they have found ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And that's something that the Chiefs are not going to allow them like the opportunity to even do. Like the 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 Chiefs are going to win this game convincingly. And that's just where I stand. Okay. So I, I, I disagree. I think it's going to be a little closer. I think that the Chiefs are going to win by around a touchdown, maybe less. In our pick em, I've got the Chiefs at minus seven. I'm hoping for a push because, you know, the, the Raiders. Now, in terms of just winning the game outright, yes, I think Kansas City wins. The Chiefs have won their last five Monday night football games. Patrick Mahomes is 6-1 and one as a starter in Sunday and Monday night games. So the Chiefs are really good in prime time. But I just think that the Raiders have enough weapons to hang around, kind of like what the Chargers did in the opener on Thursday night football. Mike Williams was a beast in that game. Chiefs couldn't cover him. And I think Devontae Adams is going to be that much of a problem. And if the Chiefs do show him too much attention, then they turn to Darren Waller. And remember, the Chiefs are without Willie Gay still. They don't have him at linebacker. That's a huge missing piece for Kansas City. Can they get pressure on Derek Carr? Now, I think the Chiefs win the game outright. Because I think Derek Carr against Patrick Mahomes, who's the more likely quarterback to make a late-game mistake? It's Derek Carr. So I think that, again, I I could see this playing out a lot like the Chargers game, where the Chiefs uh, make a big play down the stretch. Derek Carr makes a costly mistake. Maybe it's an interception. I don't know. Uh, But I think the Chiefs offensively will be fine. But I do have a lot of concerns about the Chiefs' defense and what Devontae Adams and this offense can do. And we didn't even mention Josh Jacobs who's coming off 120 yards on the ground against a Denver rush defense that's been decent. Not great, but decent this season. Jacobs had a huge game. That's fair. I just, I guess we're just in different spots slightly right, on so how we see this your, game. What's your prediction? I think the Chiefs win 27-10. to 10. 17? 27-10. Can I bet you on the spread? I'm going to take the Chiefs 38-34. to 
That's a lot of points. Oh, I think there's going to be a lot of points. Are you aware of the primetime under trend in the NFL no, right no, now? No, I don't care. A lot of points. The under's hitting at like a historic clip in primetime games right now. No, this season the NFL scoring's way down. It, it, that's that's part of Just it. Just all of it. But it's it's even more like I don't I I think that the over has hit like twice in a primetime game so far. So what's the over? Fifty one. Fifty one points, something like that. I'd and I I think that. Uh, the, again, I think the Chiefs win. I think they win relatively convincingly. 17 points is a little – like I'm, my voice is making it sound like I think the Chiefs will win by 30. But I, I think just like a comfortable 17-point win is certainly what we're on track for. But I guess we'll see. And if here's the good part. If I'm wrong, we get to come right here tomorrow. Exactly. Turn on the mics and you get right. to roast me in front of everybody. Yep. Yep. So that's the good part. But I also I, I would like to I've been meaning to bring this up for a while. I would like to roll the tape on me saying that KU could make a bowl game this season <laughs> and that they were gonna win five or six games and you laughing in my face. What? And yeah, you uh I don't think that happened. You really gave it to me. You I... made me feel really stupid. And now how the turntables have I don't turned. think that's true. I think you're crazy. No, there's tape. Okay. I remember sitting over here thinking, <laughs> I'm going to look like a genius if KU has a good season. Now, well, I, didn't think I bet on their win total over, and it's already yeah, cast. Because I'm two. feeling good. Feeling good. I don't. You would have been like in the minority of like four people on planet Earth that thought Kansas would get off to the start that they're on. All I'm saying is, let's look at the 80 person pick'em that we're in right now and who's <laughs> still on top and extend. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's you got guy. that going for you. But who won the KSN News Sports NFL pick'em last week and won sixty five dollars in gift cards? This okay. guy. Oh, this guy. Oh, good for you, man. Yeah. Gift cards. $25 to Treescapes in Andover and like a couple of <laughs> Visa debit cards, things like that. I, it's fun. I'm having fun. I love gift cards. I don't know why gift cards are like this 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 like black mark of a gift. I love gift cards. I love yeah. I love receiving gift cards. I love giving gift cards. I've got a whole stack of gift cards in a drawer uh, at home. I just kind of meander through there sometimes. Now I know. Whenever your birthday is, I'll figure it out one of these days. Gift card. Gift card it is. All right, we got to wrap up the show. He's James Westling. I'm Jackson Schneider. We'll be back tomorrow, 515, right here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. We'll see you tomorrow here on In the Zone.